I'm Mark Caro, and welcome to episode 115 of Caro Pop, sponsored by Revolution Brewing. Our guest this week is a blues rock guitar virtuoso and singer-songwriter who has learned and grown much over the years, Joe Bonamassa. Bonamassa is 46 and has been playing guitar for 42 years, so you do the math. He opened for B.B. King when he was 12. His debut album, A New Day Yesterday, came out in 2000 when he was 23. But by the time of his third album, 2003's Blues Deluxe, he'd been dropped by two major labels and his booking agent. This was his make or break moment. Some people say love is just a gamble. The title track was a Jeff Beck group cover, reflecting Bonamassa's love of British blues. The album, which went top 10 on the Billboard Blues chart, propelled him into the career he still enjoys today. So with the release of Blues Deluxe Volume 2 this past fall, Bonamassa found himself looking forward and back. The new album includes two originals, including the Bonamassa co-written Hope You Realize It, Goodbye Again, and eight covers, including Bobby Bland's 24-Hour Blues and Lazy Poker Blues from the Peter Green era Fleetwood Mac. In a thoughtful conversation, Bonamassa reflects on the differences between that cocky 26-year-old who made the first Blues Deluxe and the established 46-year-old who made the second one. A lot has happened in between, including his launching his own label and foundation. Is Bonamassa a better guitarist and artist now than he was 20 years ago? Do blues musicians in particular get better with age? Does he write differently now? What's more important as he starts working on a song, a riff, or a lyric? How much of a threat to music is artificial intelligence? Would blues be the hardest kind of music for robots to fake? Bonamassa's label and foundation are called Keeping the Blues Alive. How does he keep the blues alive, and does he feel pressure to do so? Did taking control of the business side help his music? And finally, what were the first albums he bought with his own money? Bonamassa has much to share with and without his guitar. Please enjoy this Carol Pop conversation with Joe Bonamassa. Woke up dreaming I was gonna die. Well, thanks for joining me. I appreciate it. No problem. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You just put out Blues Deluxe Volume 2, and uh, you said the contrast between a cocky 26-year-old and an established 46-year-old is considerable. And I'm wondering what are the most noticeable contrasts in terms of doing first one to the new one? Well, the first one was our last shot at anything. Um, it was If it didn't work out, I don't think we'd be having this conversation. So it was the last, quote-unquote, hurrah at 26 before we were about to go out of business and give up. Um, and then 20 years later, I mean, it, I, it's funny that, that the, the record's called Blues Deluxe Volume 2. But when we did Blues Deluxe, I, I, I could not be as presumptuous as to name it Volume 1 because right. there was no guarantee that there was going to be a Volume 2. And, you know, I'll tell you the difference between being 26, optimistic, and, you know, somewhat cocky and just out in the world, and 46 is... You know, you come to the realization, and you and, and you and you begin to, you know, be at peace with the with the notion of that. No matter what you do, somebody's going to shit on it, like mm -hmm. like not get it, and and take things out of context or 
And at first it infuriates, it infuriates. I'm not saying it right, but it, it, it makes it. you like, it, it makes you so angry that people can be that fucking dumb. And then, and then you go and you go, it doesn't matter what I do. So we went into this, this, this record, uh, with the notion of let's just go have some fun with it and be damned. The, the ones that are, people don't even listen to it and they'll, they'll thumbs down or give it a bad review. They don't even listen to it. And so we just had fun and made a record that we enjoyed. And hopefully that enthusiasm, uh, comes out, you know, and, 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 and comes out on the record and people, people who do like it will, will, you know, uh, relate to it and, and, and enjoy it and put it on their cars. When you, when you did the first album, I think, I think you'd been dropped from a label, maybe yeah. two, and you, you felt like it was your last hurrah. Did, was that album made in a sort of sense of desperation or was it made sort of in a sense of, well, we've got nothing to lose. So we're just going to enjoy ourselves. It was, we had $10,000 to our name and a little distribution company on a South floor willing to put it out. That was it. And luckily we were, you know, we started our company at that point, my manager of like 30 years or so, we started our company and we put all of our money into it, like every single dollar. And then I went and toured and literally sold them out of the back of the van. And we caught a couple of breaks. One, it was 2003 where you could still sell a record. Right. Um, so it got some, it was the first record that in my career actually, actually got some traction, actually sold. Back in the times when you can actually sell a record. And yeah, so that was, um, you know, for me, and then selling them out of the back of our car, you know, owning the label, the, like the difference between selling records out of the back of your car when you're on a label and when you're selling records out of the back of your van when you have your own label is the fact that a major label or any label is going to charge you $11 or $8. Right dollars for a cd to take on the road you got to pay them like they won't even they, they can't even get around their, their, their heads that like this is some could be some de facto tour support and then when you realize that the cds cost 89 cents or 88 cents a pop and you're and you're selling them for 15 dollars, that's a good margin and it's paying for a lot of hotels and a lot of gas and a lot of salaries for 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 gentlemen who are not you know who are in, in your band we, we, it was kind of a perfect storm where we were able to generate some cash flow and go on the road, you know, playing for a hundred dollars or two hundred dollars a night, and 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 just eking it out. What was it about that album that clicked? That uh, you know, with the other ones that hadn't, just in terms of just come, you know, catching on with with people. I just think it was, you know, at that point, it was there was no A and R person, you know, and I was the A and R guy. And the producer, Bob Held, was the A&R guy. And we just did what we wanted. And it kind of similarly to Blues Deluxe Volume 2, we just did what we wanted. It, it, there's no, there was no like, well, is this song too long? Is it going to take it out of running for, for it to be a single? No, there is no singles. Right. You know, I've never had a single. I, I've never even thought in those terms going, well, is it too long to be a single? And never once... Did I, did I, you know, close the notepad and left the studio and go, man, I really think that song's going to be a hit. Never in my entire adult 35 year career. Never. 
never, never. And, and I was right. So if you just make music for you and you just make music that you think your fans are going to like, then it, then the, the end result is much better than if, than if you're, you're thinking of all these outliers, you know, it, it's, it's, single is this the right time or is this the right music for the right who cares just make the record and if it resonates with people it will resonate with people it doesn't resonate with people and you have to accept that you know it used to be that rock and roll was considered like the music of youth right and the hope i die before i get you know get old and of course now you have you know 80 year old rolling stones and you know pete townsend and everything else blues there was always that sense of sort of the elder statesman and and that the longer the blues guys hung around the more blues they've collected in their lives and you know if anything they've gained kind of weight in what they're doing do you feel like as a blues musician you get better as you get older or is it also is it more challenging also to try to come up with stuff new when you've been doing it for a long time i think as a musician you get better no matter what genre you participate in um, you know, I mean, it, you know, I mean, rock and roll's always had this weird narrative that when, when you're 18, you know, everything. And, and when you're 25, you're in your prime. And then as soon as you, you get your first gray hair, your hairline recedes or whatever, it, you know, oh, you're old and washed up. I think that's when you're actually starting to hit your stride. Right. And the, the maturity and your maturity as a musician and your skill set coalesce, I think, around when you're 35 or 40. I think you're, you're, you're making better musical choices, but you're still at the height of your powers. Um, nothing's degrading, you know, and pro- probably singing as good as you've ever sang, playing as good as you've ever played. Um, but the, the way you approach music is different. You know, you're not, you're not out there just going, I'm just going to, you know, lay waste to the whole thing, um, you know, just so I can make my reputation as a guitar player or singer or whatever, you're more mature and you're more laid back. And, but you still have that, you still have the throttle. You can throttle down when you want to. And, and, and you can also, uh, be, you know, you can be, you can channel the youth, you know, I think once you get into your seventies and eighties, um, even, even our heroes, you see them starting to slow down a little bit. I mean, how can they not, I mean, right. they're not human, you know, Buddy guy's 87, he puts on a great show. I just saw it at Montreux jazz. Is it the same show as he did 10 years ago? No, but he was 77. Talk to me when you're 87 and you'd be lucky if you could stand up for an hour and a half, you know? So, I mean, there's a point where you're not, you, you know, you're not going to see these artists in their prime, but they've maintained their skills and took care of themselves good enough to where, you know, it's, it's like a buddy guy show today is great. You know, um, it's just not the same. It's different than it was 10 years ago. Same thing with the Rolling Stones show. It's just, it's just different. It's just, these people are not superhuman. Right. Do you think you're a better artist now than you were 20 years ago doing volume two versus the, um, oh, 100%. You know, the, I couldn't, I couldn't sing that catalog of songs 20 years ago. And like 20 years ago, I was kind of just a shouter in key relatively. Mm. And now I can actually sing in, in more melodically, you know? Um, I think I am, I, that was the question I had to ask myself. I'm like, am I a better singer, better guitar player? 
uh, better musician. And I think we answered the questions. I, you know, I'm proud of the record. I'm like, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be able to pull this off 20 years ago. I was a different artist. I sounded different. You know, I approached things different. Do you write similarly to then, or has that changed too? Do I write? When, uh, no. Which I obviously, mean, I mean, it doesn't, yeah, well, it applies yeah, yeah. to a couple songs on this album, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's different. You're, you're coming from a different perspective. Um, you know, sometimes, you know, you, you look around and, and I've been very fortunate in my career and it's like, it's hard to have the blues, but, but you, you got to channel those experiences. Um, you know, you got to channel that, that you got to have something to say, you know, I don't write a lot, but I write when I, when I make records on my own, I write, I write for the records and, and you just gotta like, you get a theme in your mind or you just, you, you have something to say and you say it, um, and, and you try to do it in the most direct way possible that, you know, will resonate beyond just, you know, telling a story that that pertains to you when you write do you have a guitar in your hand and are you starting with the music or do you have like an idea for you know a lyric and or a title or a chorus or something and then kind of work it out from there it's much easier to start with a title or a lyric than it is like a riff a riff it's like okay cool it's a cool riff now what are we going to say you know and um i woke up this morning now nah, that's been done Oh, my baby left. Oh, that's been done. You know what I mean? It's hard to, it's hard to, to just, you know, uh, you know, uh, go get into that um, with just the riff. And unless, unless you, you know, you put your integrity aside and type into chat GTP or G. Yeah, no, don't do that. And, 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 and have the computer spit out a bunch of words for you. And that's going to be an issue going forward because, you know, it, and, and to me, it's a hundred percent integrity. It's like, it's like, you know, are artists going to use AI to write songs? hundred percent. Are they doing it today? hundred percent. There's probably a, two streets in Nashville that I can name that they're probably doing it. Okay. Um, and okay, cool. They have, that's a means to an end to me it's an integrity issue it's not it's not really a, it's it's not any other it's not an ip issue it's an integrity issue if you're a songwriter then write a damn song right. if you're if 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 you're if you call yourself a songwriter you know then then try to write a song and i'd rather write shitty songs myself than write good songs with with computer or ai that's just me um and you know unfortunately I don't think people, you know, I, I'm not sure where the where the majority of the businesses in lockstep with that. You know, of course they're gonna, of course, if you say, hey, listen, that 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 lyric sounds like AI. Oh my God, no! I I did that. I, I was I was in I was in the Rocky Mountains and I turned and I saw the sunrise in this specific way. And you, you know what I mean? There, there's people gonna deny it all the all, all day long. You know, nobody's going to, you know, it, it's like, how'd you lose the weight? I, 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 you know, how many people just come and say, well, I'm using an Ozempic. It's like, we know you are. <laughs> I did it. Okay. And I'll admit it. But at the end of the day, not many. Oh no. I just, you know, they're walking 10 miles a day. 
no carbs. Right. Okay. How'd you do that in three weeks? <laughs> so it's, it's like, if you just own it, then you own it, you know? Yeah. I think the AI thing is going to deal with the music too and arrangements. I mean, I, I just was flipping around yesterday because there's talk of this third, you know, Threedles song, you know, Beatles song that, uh, you know, where they had an old John demo and I went on YouTube and there are all these kind of AI versions of the Beatles version of this song before the, the, you know, John and Paul and Ringo have even released it. And it's just like yeah. the AI version. And I'm just like, Oh, and, and well, I think the human body will be the, the great, a level or of AI. It's like, you know, you clearly, if you're just flipping through news or stuff like that on your phone, uh, you, you can, you can, you look at some of these articles and you go, clearly somebody used AI. I mean, it just, it just, it just reads robotically, you know? And it, it's like, you know, I, I, I type something as a like, uh, dear computer, love you. Um, can you write a song, write me a song or a lyric in, in the, in the, in the style of Joe Bonamassa and, and the damn thing came close. Huh. I was like, wow. Okay. It came close because I was just, my curiosity was, you know, I just was like, well, is this, is, is this thing, can, can this thing do what they say? And I'm like, wow, it's pretty damn close. And then I, and I read the lyrics and I go, man, that's pretty shitty. And I go, okay, story checks out. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's, it's, it's fine, you know, but is it, is it something that we should be using as musicians to, you know, to, to write our masterpieces? No. If there's any music that you're going to not be able to fake it, I would think it would be the blues, right? If you're going to just like have robotic emotions, that just defeats the whole purpose of the music you're making. You know, I mean, it, it, it's, it, com it comes down to pro tools as well. Like you can manipulate sound in ways today that, that, even even 10 years ago seemed impossible you can tune a guitar chord in the box you can you can do all this stuff you can manipulate things to the point where all you have to do is go uh, 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 and you're golden you know so there's that you know i think within the blues because it's such a simple form of music that you have to play it and you have to feel it or else nobody's going to want to listen to it again. You may give someone to listen once, but nobody's going to, going to listen to it again. And that goes for over manipulation of sound. You got to leave the raw edges, you know, in this style of music, because if you clean it up, make it too tidy, nobody's going to want to, you know, it's, it's like there's something, something off, you know, when you put on, you know, when you put on a Howlin' Wolf record, you know, the pitch center is, is, is Howlin' Wolf, you know, the guitar's a little out of tune, the piano wasn't tuned right. And it's a little rough around the edges, but he was such a, like, just monster figure that you go, okay, I'm, I'm buying this hook, line and sinker. It doesn't matter if the piano's a little out of tune, you know, and because it was just such wonderful music and it makes you want to listen to it again and again. Right. I mean, there's, there's a, this new sort of bluesy song that the Stones just put out. And I was like, Mick's singing like he's 30 again. And and on one hand, I'm impressed. And on the other hand, I have this little alarm bell going off like, is he singing like he's 30 or did they do something? And I don't know. I mean, it's still it's a decent song. I mean, but it's but but I'm like, is is 80 year old Mick Jagger really singing like he's 30? I don't know. 
nobody was there except Mick, Andrew Watt, and the Rolling Stones. Right, and maybe Lady Gaga, which she was there at some point. Maybe Lady Gaga. Um, um, you've and seen- I'm sure anybody working on the project has a NDA with a bunch of a bunch of signatures on. More power to Mick, and that's him dancing. You can't AI him dancing on stage, so and he's, singing on stage. He's so the he's greatest frontman of all time. I mean, yeah, him and so. Freddie Mercury can still sing. He can still bring it. So my right. my 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 inkling is that he is singing like that. Carol Pop is supported by Revolution Brewing, Illinois' largest independent brewery. If you're observing dry January or you just want something unique, tasty, and non-alcoholic to drink, Revolution has created an excellent beer alternative. Super Zero is a sparkling hop water that delivers the citrusy hop flavor you'd expect from the makers of the best-selling anti-hero IPA. Not only does Super Zero contain no alcohol, there are also no calories, carbohydrates, or sugars. It's available in six packs at stores and on revbrew.com. So you have a label and a foundation called Keeping the Blues Alive. So like right now, what does Keeping the Blues Alive entail? Well, we do our charity cruises um, called Keeping the Blues Alive. We've raised, you know, a million and a half dollars and we've given away, you know, everything from guitar strings to, you know, we've started guitar programs. We, we give away, you know, grants to schools to just buy supplies for, you know, their music program. Um, during the pandemic, we raised, you know, $750,000 and doled out, you know, 400 checks to to musicians who are in need um for, it was like literally four hundred fifteen hundred dollar checks and you know and it, and it wasn't blue specific we were just like hey man if you if you, you know if, if you're an artist and you're struggling and you had the tour dates canceled we got a check for you and um that was it you know um that's the thing i'm most proud of in my career is that we were able to do that you know we could have just sat back for two years and just just whatever you know just took it off but we actually got to work you know i'm very proud of my office very proud of the people keeping the blues alive you know we got to work and and you know and and thanks to the artists that donated songs and streamathons and all the fans who donated everything from five to five thousand dollars you know the people like gibson and and chicago music exchange uh volkswagen fender uh ernie ball everybody donated something and that was that was the thing you know and and, and you know because people by july of 2020 or august 2020 people were like freaking out going yo this is this is going to go longer than they said and summertime for most roots oriented musicians is when they make all their money that's festivals that's you know that's uh, you know outdoor events higher paying gigs so that that to me, you know, was something I'm really proud of it. And, uh, and we've, we, we've, you know, we've, we have a label, everyone from, uh, uh, Joanne Shaw Taylor to, to, uh, Joanna Connor, another Chicago native, right. Um, uh, Jimmy Hall, Larry McRae. Um, we've done records for, you know, uh, so many people, 
at this point. So um, it's it's a it's a it's a it's a great thing. Is is keeping the blues alive sort of is like what distinguishes that from keeping sort of live music alive in a way? Like, is there something specific about the blues as an art form that's more endangered than, you know, a roots, you know, a country roots player who also was really affected by the pandemic? I think everybody was affected by the pandemic. I think it, it was the great equalizer. Everyone from the Rolling Stones to the, to the cat playing in the, in, in, in the club, you know, on a Wednesday night during happy hour, got shut down. And it, you know, musicians, not just blues musicians or roots music, musicians are historically fiscally irresponsible. It's like, would I rather save um, money uh, and for a rainy day or buy this guitar? I'd, I'm going to buy this guitar because I'm financially irresponsible. And musicians tend to be that. They're not good fiscal planners. So on any level. Right. And the labels so, don't tend to be very generous with their contracts anyway. And a lot of musicians aren't that sophisticated to go, oh, you know what? This is not, you know, a good deal for me. No, no, no. They're also they're more sophisticated than you think. It's just the business is set up to where to where people will go. Well, you know, you know, this is the only way, um, you know, promoting a show, a concert is, you know, on a skill set level you know, kind of like, you know, putting a man on, on Mars. It's not, it's not terribly complicated. Musicians just need to, to invest in themselves and, and, and take, take some risk in it. It's not just about how much are you willing to pay me? It's, it's how much can we make if we sell the, the place out? And that's a, it's a different, it's a different headspace. Um, they're, they're musicians are hip, especially now because they, they're using social media to this is all de facto and free marketing and and it's 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 a great tool to use and something that would have cost hundreds of thousands of dollars 20 years ago um, without the tiktoks and the instagrams and all that 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 stuff i mean there's some positives to it there's a lot of negatives to it but there's also some positives because you you can you can go out there and sell your wares to an, a worldwide audience from Des Moines, Iowa, and never have to leave Des Moines, Iowa to become somewhat famous. Did you feel like taking control of the business side for you actually liberated yourself as a musician then? Uh, nobody ever told me what to play. I never had that issue. Um, but taking over the business side, it's like you just start looking at it just from a business point of view. Like you're just like, it's like, you know, it's like if you if you if you ran um, if you ran an Italian restaurant or whatever Greek restaurant, okay, and you and and all you do is work twenty four hours a day, seven days a week, try to keep this thing going, try to build it, try to market it, blah blah blah. And and when you look at your monthly expenses, you 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 find out that you have you know two or three silent partners, and and that do nothing, you know, or do much less than you do. And you're like, well, why would I do, you know, it's like, well, why am I giving away 25 or 30% of this business when I can just do it myself? And, and that, that, that was, that's pretty much the analogy I can use. It's like, there's, there's, 
so much stuff, so many, so many people that get paid off the top line before you get paid and then have to, and then have to, then have to pay all the expenses, you know? Right. And, and it's like, you know, the agents get the cut first, the, the, the managers and, and the, and the business managers and whoever, it's just like a professional boxer, whoever's, whoever's making a percentage deal with an artist or whoever is getting the stuff off the top, not the net. It's the gross. So you're, you know, it's like, if it's a thousand dollars and I'm working for 10%, I'm my, I'm not, I'm not looking at it from the, well, out of that thousand dollars, we had to, we had to, we had to spend money on the days in we had to, we had to get there. I have salaries and musicians and gasoline and stuff like that. That's your problem. You know? So if you have two or three people like that, so your thousand dollars becomes $700 and that's how you're paying your expenses. And then you wonder why there's nothing left over for you. And, and that's, you know, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of musicians work their ass off on tour and come home and they're like, I was better off being a member of my own band than being the leader of it. Right. So that's, and that's how you, you know, that's, that's when the light bulb goes on. It's like, yeah, I got to change some stuff around here. You got to keep both sides of your brain working at the same time, you know, sort of multitasking. It's music, so business, music, business. Can't just don't, don't discount that last word. Very right. important. All right. I'm going to, I know you got to go. I'm going to ask you one quick last one. What was the first record you bought with your own money? Uh, two. BB King live at the Regal and Steve Morris, the introduction. I used my first communion money to buy those two records at Camelot music at the Sanger town mall in New Hartford, New York. This would have been 1983. What was it about those two records that you knew you had? To own? Um, I liked, I didn't had, I had no idea. My dad said Steve Morris was, a, was one of the greatest guitar players in the world. He is. And, uh, bb king he said you need to if you like the blues you need to you need to get bb king live at the regal and it was, i was hooked on both so i'm like on one hand one record was like shredding like southern fried guitar instrumental and then the other thing was like the the epitome of chicago blues i'm like hmm i like both of these things right i appreciate you talking i hope you're here uh in chicago sometime soon thanks for having me on That's all for episode 115 of Carol Pop. Thanks so much to Joe Bonamassa for such an insightful conversation about his career, the music business, and the blues. His new album, Blues Deluxe Volume 2, is widely available on CD, digital, and blue vinyl. Go to jbonamassa.com to order it and to get more information about him and upcoming tour dates. Bonamassa's U.S. Spring 2024 tour begins February 19th in Louisville, Kentucky and wraps up March 16th in Clearwater, Florida. In between, there are stops in Red Bank, New Jersey, Cincinnati, Virginia Beach and Richmond, Virginia, Knoxville, Tennessee, and many more cities. Listen to his podcast, Live from Nerdville with Joe Bonamassa, on Spotify and YouTube. Follow him on Facebook, on Instagram, at Joe Bonamassa, and Twitter, X, at Jay Bonamassa. Carol Pop is produced by Chris Swake, who is this podcaster's best cure for the blues. We'd like to send a special shout-out to Carol Pop friends Don McLeese, Hank Newberger, and Ethel Goffin for supporting this podcast. You could help keep Carol Pop free and sustainable by giving whatever you'd like. Go to carolpop.com. We appreciate you all. 
I'm Mark Carroll. Please follow Carol Pop on Twitter X and Instagram at Carol Popcast. And you can follow me as well at Mark Caro at M-A-R-K-C-A-R-O. Please share this episode, subscribe, tell your friends, and tune in again next week for another Carol Pop Conversation. Thanks. Thanks.